0: Hi it's Paul, Paul. hi it's Damo and it's time for the PD Sports Podcast with Damo
1: and Paul. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 38 of the PD Sports Podcast and once again it has been a monstrous week in sport and as usual I'm joined by Damo, how you going mate? Not bad
0: mate, not bad at all, it's probably arguably one of the biggest weeks of sport that we've embarked on, it's been a crazy weekend of sport that has just gone can't wait to get into this podcast because it's right up my alley and look I I think that this could be an absolute banger this one
1: yeah in sort of review I've just been thinking about it the last sort of 20 minutes or so we've had a big match week of Premier League um, that we could definitely sink our teeth into we've had drama in the F1s we've had Champions League and then we've had the day one of the first test of the Ashes so this has the potential to be a chunky chunky episode Uh, this episode so if you've been enjoying what you've been listening to make sure you jump in the discord link in the description of this episode to stay connected with our community but enough of the plugs i think let's just get the premier league action out the way and all the football action out the way first or do you want to start with the f1s where do you want to go Um,
0: i think we'll just make a quick note on the formula one it's obviously been a fantastic i'm so excited for this Uh, weekend it's been a fantastic year uh, I'm trying to organise with Sam, who's a regular viewer and a good mate of mine and yours, Paul, to watch it together because mm. it's, it's the first time in a long time that we've had a championship come down to the final race and it being tied on points. Like, yeah. um, usually... Very air and centre yeah, feel yeah, this weekend. Yeah, very centre-cross sort of feel. Like, even with their battles, it's like a point or two difference. You know, obviously in 89 where... I'm a big believer that Prost definitely turned in way too early on Senna and took Senna out that race, even though Senna copped the blame. Um, I believe that that was still like a couple of points, or Senna couldn't if Senna didn't finish. Prost won the title, and then obviously ninety one. I think it was three points of difference, or two points of difference. Sorry, not 91, 90, where Prost was in the Ferrari and Senna took him up the inside of Suzuka. Showing my F one knowledge here, um, and then all your other great like title battles of like twenty ten. Uh, Alonso and a lot of Alonso. Raikkonen, and Hamilton and Alonso, sorry, in the McLaren. Um, you know, in 07 and 08, that were like separated by a point or two. So I think this could be what, one of the very few times where it's actually come in on even points. And the fact that we've had half points given out and they're both on 369.5 points, I'm pretty sure, is ridiculous. So uh, it's got to be a belter, I am under a very strong opinion that I think I know how this is going to go and it's going to be very unpopular opinion, um, but I think it's the opinion that has the most drama and the most potential of a, a long-drawn-out outcome to who we find out as world champion. I believe Verstappen wants this much and that much more and you saw it a little bit in the race just gone that I think he will get a bit desperate here and I do believe there's going to be an accident between Hamilton and Verstappen fighting for the lead of this race.
1: Yeah, you know, when... You get to a point where if Hamilton doesn't finish it and they both don't finish the race, I think Zach was telling me Verstappen wins. Yeah, so I think that's correct. That, it goes, it goes
0: back on who won more races. Verstappen's run more races. And I I, I see a world where, and I'm not saying that... Look, I'm so, I'm not going to go out here and slate Verstappen for it happening because, look, Michael Schumacher's done it in the past. Prost has done it. Senna's done it. These guys are like the greatest drivers of all time. If it happens, it happens. I just... Don't want it to, you know, mar what's been a good season. And I hope they just race. And, it, you know, if it's if it's an accident, it's a racing accident, because, you know, they kind of to leave it all on there. If there's half a gap, you got to go for it. But if it is blatantly obvious that I think Verstappen will probably be the one that causes this accident, if it plays out, and now I think it will play out. Um, I don't yeah. want it to mar this year. It would be a very interesting way for the title to be won, because it's been a long time since this has happened. And it'll be very interesting to see how the FIA handles that. You know, there was talks when obviously Centre and process incidents, you know, that they were going to ban Centre and all those sort of uh, down the lines. But, you know, there's probably ways where they can put points, you know, deductions and all that sort of stuff in place now. I, I just hope it's a clean race and a good race, but I don't see a world where there is not contact between these two in the final race of the season on the same amount of points.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just going to make a... A real interesting watch. So it's definitely going to be one to look out for this weekend. So we'll probably give a bit or? of a review. Pardon? A prediction? Oh, I think Verstappen comes out on top here. I just think he's just, when he's needed to all, all year, he's just found a way, hasn't he? he has. So I think he's just one that he's just too good at the moment. I think. And I'm at a point where, I've, you know, I'm not a big Verstappen fan, but I'm just. Would like to see um, someone different win it. I think. Yeah, I just.
0: I've got. Change it up a little bit. I've got a counter argument to that, or I want Verstappen to win it. I'm going to come out here and say it, and I don't even care if it's him taking out Hamilton. Like it's happened in the past, so be it. Right, it's the drama of the sport. But I'm under the impression that Hamilton's experience is going to come in big time here I feel like Verstappen will be the one to make the mistake Verstappen's going to be the one that's going to get desperate you know if it's too if hard. Verstappen's behind with three laps to go he's going to be the one that has to force the issue and the accident could happen where I believe Hamilton three laps to go knowing he has to put in three qualifying laps and pass Verstappen to win the title I feel like he's got the experience to do it uh and I feel like that because of that I feel like Hamilton has to come into this as the favourite because of the experience. Yeah. But I I would love to see Verstappen and Red Bull win it just because it would be such a good way to cap off the season. Obviously, it's been fantastic. But secondly, and most importantly, I just feel like we need some variety in Formula 1 before the rule changes. So everyone who's like on the fence that's not a traditional watcher like yourself, Paul, goes, oh, what a crazy year and you know, someone else different won it. And then next season, 2022 rolls around, new rule changes, new people to the sport. You know, McLaren's meant to be yeah. really good next year with Danny Rick and Norris who are very very big fan, you know, favourites. Uh, and, you know, the well, Mercedes will be around the money and this, uh, I think the Red Bull will be the fastest car on the grid then. Uh, it, it would make it really nice to see Verstappen be the guy that wins it because it probably promotes the sport a bit more. It's a sport I care about a lot. So, yeah, that, that's my view. But don't be surprised we're here talking about the fact Verstappen sent one up the inside of Hamilton and send them both into oblivion. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, exactly. So, moving from F1 to Premier League, lots of um, interesting results. progressions this weekend and results. Yep, yeah. um, Liverpool getting a last-minute winner. A last West spot. Ham... West Ham, last-minute winner. Man United, lady Fred, you know, coming up trumps. Weed, trying to
0: foot-top bins, can I ask? Have I ever seen Fred shoot with his right yeah. foot? No. Maybe he's naturally right-footed.
1: Uh, maybe. Maybe that's why he hasn't played that well this year. Yeah. Maybe he needs to start using that right foot a bit more. Yeah. Um, that was a big result. Man City, again, job done. I just wanted to ask one question. Of How did you find Jack Grealish playing as a false nine? So,
0: before he got injured... He played false nine, I reckon, against us, Liverpool, at Anfield. And I reckon he played before then, because I brought him in fancy Premier League for that exact reason, because he was playing through the nine. And then I reckon he got a niggle, and then Foden went into the nine, and he looked amazing then, Foden. And then, obviously, Jacks found it hard to get into the team. It uh, it strives me as an interesting one. I feel like Pep knows he's a fantastic player. I've spent big money on him, and I know there's a good footballer in him. But where do I play him, and how do I play him? And, you know, with the form of everybody else, how do I give him minutes? And I feel like the only place he can do that is in the nine. Didn't think he was bad there, by the way. Offers something a little bit different. Bit more Kai Havertz sort of like. You know, false 90. Um, But I'm a big believer that City are going to buy a striker in January. Just he just it. doesn't look. It's not natural.
1: He just doesn't look natural, man. Like he's. Just, it's, I just feel like it's can't just play not on the left. happening. He
0: can't play on the left because of the form of. Um,
1: I think that's where he's going to have to play, but Sterling's keeping him out of the yep, team. That's just Sterling, where it's Foden at.
0: can play on the left as a natural left-footer. You look at the right. Uh, Foden's again, played that well yep. as an eight though. Yeah, you, you look like at the right, Foden Foden and Bernardo, Oh yeah, man. What a player. Yeah,
1: that's not changing. Yeah,
0: that's not changing. Then where do you play him in the middle with the Bruyneart? as sitting six of what, Rodri and then well, Foden? Well, when
1: De Bruyne's fully fit, I think Bernardo then goes out to the right yeah. with De Bruyne, Foden and Rodri as your three and then he's only fighting for that left wing spot. Yeah. That's and the at, only spot the, he can fit in the team. The
0: way I think City play, especially with Cancelo bombing on down that left-hand side all year, is they prefer a quiet that's going to come inside with the ball. Um, and like I do think Jack does that, don't get me wrong. Uh, I just feel like that there is players that... Pep's gone to throughout the season. Sterling's looked good. I feel a little bit for Jack because he's meant to light it up. And I feel like, you know, you come in to play for Pep, you've got to learn his football. It's going to take time. It's not like that he's had the cleanest run of healthy, that he's been injured a bit. I just feel like he needs to be given a bit more time to get settled. And I know it sounds weird yeah. for an English player to get settled into the Premier League, but I feel like it's more get him settled to play for Pep. And get used to the Pep roulette, and get used to you know what's being demanded of him technically, and how he thinks about the game. I feel like there would be a big change from coming from Villa being the main man. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I would be, I wouldn't be riding Jack off if that's what the question's aimed at, but I wouldn't be playing him in the nine either. I think Pep knows he can't play him in the nine, but Pep also knows he has to get in minutes to get him fit. So the nine is it. Yeah, fair enough.
1: I've got a question, and then the yeah, other. Go, go. Oh, yeah, no, go no, for it. Go. No, no, I was going que- to say the other big result, but you go for it I, first.
0: I got a question for you. What did you make of Manchester United under Ragni? Because I've got an interesting stat for that.
1: I haven't probably seen as much as I would like, um, but I think the way he's just come in straight away and knows exactly what he wants to do, and that's the main thing. Like it's a clear just, message. Yeah, and the fact that you see them straight away, 1-0, solid, you know, I think that's probably the bigger factor is just... Come in, look good. Um, obviously, would have liked to have probably put a few more chances away. That but end of the day, they've done the job. Um,
0: the reason why I asked the question is there was a clear message and intent to press or to how to win the ball back. So they won the ball back in the opposition half 12 times throughout the whole game. And when you think about that at the Premier League level, if they're winning the ball up the field 12 times, how many of them in the future is going to lead to goal-scoring opportunities? Like, it's going to be huge. Um, And that was with, I think, I believe Ronaldo playing up front as well. Um, I believe it's going to be very, very interesting as the dogs are barking here because my sister's left the door open. That's great. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is to see how they morph that because Ragnik also defended in a low, like, 4-4-2-ish sort of block when when the opposition eventually got out. So, yeah, a bit interesting. Um, And, yeah, uh, I think that they're going to be an interesting side to watch their progression. I just feel like Rangnick might build something there. And it'll be interesting to see how they go about their football.
1: Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. I think they're going to be interesting to watch. So more than happy to see how that goes. But the other big result for me, again, Arsenal put themselves in a good position and Bodler really. Um, Richarlison had two goals scratched out and then third time lucky with a really good... Um, what's it called a good header there off the rebound a shot from Damari Gray and then Damari Gray his strike was unbelievable he's just so good I thought that was just unreal um, to really sink <laughs> to sink them down really that's just how I saw so um, what do you reckon where are Arsenal at they've sort of started, had that 10 game run they've then dropped points against United in winning positions and then dropped points here against um, what's it called Everton yeah. winning position again
0: uh, it's weird because I always look at Arsenal and always relate it back to the expected goals against and how good Rams that was been and how many saves Rams that was made. That I expect these performances to come where you know if you keep giving teams you know chances, eventually teams are going to score They're against you, him. right? And yep. I do believe actually against Everton they did enough to probably have won that game. It's just that's where the, yeah, the well, barrier... Bameyang has a big chance oh, yeah, at the end. Score. Same with Eddie and Ketcher. Yeah, he should score. Yep. Yang should of his quality what I want to say is the variance or you know of how it works in football Like, yeah it may be the games like Leicester where they should have conceded 3 or 4 and Ramsdale has a welding but you play against Everton you give Everton only a couple of real clear cut chances they score both where against Leicester you kept a clean sheet that's just how the variance of a whole season works you know it's the same with back in the day you may score a goal that's offside one week but you may concede a goal that's offside in week 20 and not be given You know, so or concede a goal that would have been offside in week twenty, it equals itself out, and I feel like that's why everyone looks at expected like goals against and goals for ratios and all that sort of stuff. And there was going to come a time where Arsenal got found out, and I'm not saying that Everton found them out, but I feel like there is an element that everyone's actually realised after this good run of fixtures that well, actually against the bigger boys and against teams that are a bit more clinical they're still leaking chances at the back I'm not going to come out here and slay them I actually think they're building something and it's good to see from Arteta just you know these are the teaming problems that's going to be at Arsenal
1: yeah I think there's just you're right you hit the nail on the head they're going to keep giving up chances because I don't think their defense is there it reminds me a lot of when Klopp first took over at Liverpool but The issue was we're scoring goals. Well not the issue, but the difference was we're scoring goals and we're playing in entertaining games. I just don't see enough goals in this Arsenal side at the moment where it's concerning that they've got Lacazette, they've got Obamiang, but it's Smith rowe and it's Odegaard and you know, they're the guys that are having to pop up week in, week out, and they are, but they're not gonna score multiple goals, you know. It's rare that those guys are gonna really, you know, be fifteen to twenty goal you know, season players. So Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's strange. They need to bring someone in, but they can't because what's Arsenal offering? They've got no Champions League football. There's no there's no European football. What was the incentive for a a prospect to go there? That's what I'm concerned about.
0: But it- the only incentive is is that we're Arsenal Football Club. Look at our history. Imagine if you're the guy that turned it around for us. That's the only thing you can appeal to someone, and maybe someone that has a bit of a following of the Premier League or someone that's an Arsenal fan as a player. I like, think oh, yeah, I'll they'll have to buy, buy
1: someone within the league. Yeah, they have to try like what we did. Well. We had to buy, you know, we had to buy Salah, who had played at Chelsea. I know he wasn't in the league, but we also went and bought Sadio Mane from Southampton. You know. It, it's so it's rare true. that you'll get someone like that. But, you know, is it – I mean, it's not even Ollie Watkins, you know, like we're above that. You're looking at maybe like a Raul Jimenez or you, a Huang Yi Chan. I know we only just moved. Or, you know, an Emmanuel Dennis. Like you're going to have to get someone that's you're playing at punch. that perceived lower level yeah. that can offer something different to your club. I think that's where they're at. They need I'll, to try I'll and take someone who's Dennis scoring would be,
0: goals. I would, actually think Dennis would suit, you know, someone that's pretty powerful pretty quick. And seems to be quite... And again, he's only just
1: signed for Watford. Yeah, you know, someone like that.
0: I still think you can prime away a year down the track. And, you know, there's probably other signings that they could make. And I don't want to make this podcast about who's at the lower level that Arsenal could sign. But for me, it's got to get that midfield balance right first to support that. Yeah, it looks dreadful. Yeah. Like, Lukonga is probably long-term an option. But they need someone else in there, I feel... Um, you know I can't believe
1: Doozy can't get a game I know he's on loan but but he's he's not I I get that he's not disciplined but he's a good player just the potential the potential man is just so bright and Arteta's barely giving him a game yeah I know
0: I hear you I I just it's a bit weird Arsenal Arsenal's been a bit weird for years right so you look at their decisions like the William Saliba loaning out thing and you're just like what's going on there it's just you know, they're a bit weird how they run the club and all that. I just don't want to come out here and slay them after slating for so long because is actually trying to build something in a system and you can kind of see what the message is. Uh, I just yeah. more worry that they're going to keep getting found out against teams that can really go at them or teams that are going to get chances to be clinical. If Ramsdale doesn't have a Weldy at the minute, I don't think they don't win. And if Smith-Roy doesn't start, which he didn't against Everton, um, they don't seem to create as much and uh, I, don't, I wouldn't be really relying on just those two to get you through a season if I was an Arsenal supporter.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just they're at that transitional point, aren't they? And they're just... They've got to find what works, and I think that's the stumbling block. I think they've got the players there in defence, but anyway, I think we could spend a whole... Oh, we could spend a... We,
0: we could do pod upon pod about Arsenal Football Club. Man, we could do pod upon, along pod of like just every Premier League club, but, you know... I don't want to sit here and have to give Arsenal more breath than what they're worth, but they're a team worth talking about at times, and this is one of those times.
1: Yep, so then, quick little recap on the Champions League before we make a bigger move. Yep. Liverpool, once again, um, big result. We'll take that all day long. Um, First first English club
0: in the history of the Champions League to win all six games in the group stage.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I love that. That's a great how stat to that? have.
0: And Lord Divok is just Lord Divok, right? Yeah. You want to know do what? You amazes see um, me? Porto. The... What was that? You want to know what amazes me is how happy is at Liverpool being a bench player. That's like a testament to Klopp and man management. Like, it's incredible because yeah, a guy that's... like him would fit so many clubs around, not just the Premier League, Europe as the as the main man up top. And he he, he never hear a murmur of Divok wanting to leave. You hear rumours that Liverpool may shop him out to get extra funds to fund something else. But you never hear the rumour that Divock yeah. come out and says, oh, no, I'm unhappy with my playing time. I want to go.
1: Yeah. I love him. Um, but maybe he's just content. Maybe he's settled. He's happy. You know, there's no need for him to go. Uh, maybe I think he, knows he, he likes, be likes man being man part with, of the
0: squad. I think he knows he will be the main man with Yota come African Cup of Nations.
1: Maybe. And then, again, he's playing for a spot in a World Cup again in 18 months. Maybe it's something that we see that he, you know, mo- moves on. At the end of, you know, the next season. And he goes, all right, I've had my time. I've gone around again for another crack at uh, the, champion, uh, the uh, World Cup. Yep. It didn't work out. It did work out. Maybe, you know, I've been at Liverpool now since 2014. So he's gone through two cycles of World Cup qualification with Belgium. Maybe he's content with that. You know what I mean? So that's sort of where I'm, I'm sitting with that.
0: Yeah, uh, no, I think that's... I think that's a fair assessment. Oh, yeah,
1: Salah with a nice goal, Divot with a nice goal, Phil for Allison with the goal we concede. Minamino needs to do better. 100%. Porto uh against Atletico Madrid. So what I found interesting in this group, when when we conceded, it was us going through with AC Milan. Yep. Um, and then when they equalized Port when we equalized Porto were going through and then Porto absolutely bottled Bottled it to the point where they got two red cards, they capitulated, it didn't happen for them, and then Atletico Madrid, unfortunately, are the team that'll join us, which I'm not happy I'm about not happy with
0: uh, that either because they're a bogey team of ours.
1: Yeah, I don't want them near us at all. I'm not going to lie about that one.
0: Nah, they, they, they're the only team that worry me the most, even though we finally beat them in Spain this yeah. group stage. But yeah, I, I would rather see the back of them. I hope they get drawn against Bayern Munich and just. See
1: you later. Yeah, 100% agree with you yeah. there. So, um, And then the other big result was Manchester City losing, which I thought was a bit weird, uh, oh. interesting. It's
0: interesting that they've lost again the in the Champions League, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I know. It's just one of those bogey things, isn't it, for them at the moment? It's just they can't get over it. It's just like, they cannot put together a consistent... You know, stretch of games. That's how I see it.
0: Yeah, I agree. So it's, we'll see how that goes. That, that it's not because their squad isn't big enough or good enough. It's more the fact that just they just don't seem settled when they rotate at the minute. Like normally, when you see City yeah. rotate, they just look like the cog. There's not even a cog missing at the minute they rotate, and there's a few cogs that just you know just seem to not be working at the minute. It's it's a bit of a weird time there at City. I'm not writing them off by any stretch of imagination, Champions League or. Or in the Prem at all But it's not your typical city I would say at the minute under Pep
1: Yeah But who knows They're You know You never write them off They're just Their such quantity,
0: a though.
1: Yeah We'll see how See how that goes But I think We'll move on to Our big Talking point of this podcast I'm going to let you take it away To start off with Well
0: look It's the Ashes And I live for this um, Paulie's not as big As a cricket nut As I am Be surprised actually no, I'm up there Be surprised just actually We've played enough together Believe it or not, how me and Paul first met, like very first time me and Paul ever laid eyes on each other, was separated by 22 yards of cricket turf. And uh, it's a funny story. And I think you tell the best, Paul, about uh, slapping me around the park. Huh? Um, then, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: that was uh, my first. So I played school cricket. This is my first ever club game yep. of my life. Playing in the A grade team for our age group yep. But I don't know I don't know how this happened But I was batting number 13 Yeah, back in the so, under
0: 13s They didn't want to exclude kids If they didn't have two teams yeah. So you used to have your 10 We had two teams yeah. um, so you might, We had you two must have teams had two when really, our squad was yeah, big Yeah, you must have had two really full teams So I remember back in the day Yeah. You used to be like, alright, oh, the score stops At whatever they drop 10 for at And then the next three batters just yeah. comes in And off they go And then they would work out who was the best 10 batters Right? And that would be the yeah. total that you're chasing back in the under 13 yeah. A grade back in the day. Um, and yeah, out, out comes that number 13. This little, uh, this little uh, you know, bulky, uh, baby faced, the baby, big, puffy cheeks guy. And I'm, I'm back in the day, I've taught myself up. I was a pretty good leggy. Like, I've done some work with Terry Jenner. I was in the Race, Slut and Shield squad for the second year in a row. Won, you know, the bowling award at the club you're for confident? Oh, yeah, I was confident. I was on about three for as well, and I was like, oh, here we go, Number thirteen coming. yeah, and I was like, here we go, I'm just going to toss a few up, he's going to miss one, or I'm going to get him on the pads, or, you know, this guy's going to have no clue, and I'm going to be fine, the next minute, we got Paulie, just, he's on the other end of the mite, 22 yards away from me, this guy that I've never met in my life, slapping me over cow corner for sixes and fours, and sweeping me for his square leg, and I'm going, what the frick's going on here, I'm, I'm meant to be a gun, but I'm getting absolutely towed up. Um, to make this
1: made twenty-five or three overs. Yeah, it was, that's, what yeah I, that's what happened. <laughs> I, I was allowed
0: to bowl eight overs straight. I reckon I went from being like free for like ten for like free for like seventy or sixty. It was ridiculous. It was because the other guy down the other end was hitting me too. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, I can't even uh, remember who I was. Anyhow, with. we roll around. Not even six months later to high school first day, and bid you not. My first thought as I walk through the gates, it goes, there's that chubby effing slapper that spanked me last season at St. Clair. And now we're the best <laughs> of friends. So there we are. Yeah. Fun story so, um, on uh, a, uh, how we that, became that friends. That was a great story. But to me, that's like what cricket means. It's mateship. But it's, it's, it's fierce rivalry because I really wanted to get you out by the end of all that. Um, we ended up playing <laughs> at the same club, so I never got the opportunity to
1: um yeah we never verse each yeah, other uh, again. yeah i know
0: you, you one and done huh you just one and done it's because i
1: always sat under you by a year as yeah, well that always, was the thing like
0: play above it was not nice and like you're born in 96 aren't you yeah, yeah so you were yeah. always yeah. Got so a year anyway.
1: under, well, yeah yeah i played as, at year level yeah. almost yeah. like i didn't have to play yeah, up which is nice yeah.
0: and i was always a, just a touch above in terms of uh younger yeah in terms of the age group yeah. which was uh Fun, but um, yeah, I never got to my revenge back at Paul ever. I'm like whenever you do training, I'd always try to wander sneak into Paul's net, and I couldn't because I had to train with my team. And uh, yeah, but anyhow, <laughs> enough enough about me and Paul and uh, him slapping me over square leg and you know cow corner for six with his big booming grey nickels bat that he still has. Um, uh, you know mateship and all that comes in the cricket. And that's why I still play. Uh, I play with a good bunch of boys. To so any of them that listens, shout out. Um, but. You look at the Ashes, and it means so much. It's the rivalry, it's that little urn, it's, you know, there's so much history here. We hate the Poms, but I like hearing stories that after a good Test series, you know, they're in the change room having a drink, and I, I love this time of year. Like, I am someone that usually, and we'll get to this in a second, will not miss day one, we'll have a day off work, and we'll be there for first ball and sit there usually for six hours and watch the whole of day one. This year, I didn't do that, and obviously something happened, ball one of the Test match, we'll get to that in a second. But, um, that I got to see live, yeah, you got to see it live. Um, but yeah, I, I love the Ashes and it means a lot to me. Um, and I want to ask you, Paul, what does the Ashes A mean to you? And then I'm going to ask you the next question What is your favorite Ashes moment, or the Ashes moment that you earliest remember?
1: So I think it's hard because for me, I think looking back, it means more. Yeah, like the series, I don't know whether it was because we were younger or it's nostalgia or the players, but I always look back at the period of two thousand and five to two thousand and eight or nine yeah. and I just don't I don't get the same feeling with these two squads now than I did then. I you know, maybe it's because I was younger and I was playing more cricket and it, and I lived and breathed it, you know, that like end of primary school through to sort of year yeah. twelve high yeah, school. I agree. But, you know, when I look at the McGrath, Warren, Lee, you know, even you know the 05 and 06 series with Mike Hussey and you know Hayden Langer, Ponting, Martin, yeah. you know like that just that team and Andrew Simons, you know came in when Martin like did Martin, didn't Martin retire yeah, like done, after, after Adelaide, Adelaide or yeah, something? He just gave it up. Yeah. he couldn't
0: make runs, and I still don't know how Damien Martin was a Test match cricketer, but there you go. But then it gave yeah.
1: Andrew Simons a platform, yeah. you know. Like I just felt like I had a bigger attachment to that team. Like I still. I go in a bit more with a bit more scepticism going into the more recent series because it's been a bit more... Whatever, yeah. Sort of, we'll take it here in Australia and then we'll go to England and we'll struggle and then we'll come back to Australia and we'll dominate because of the conditions. And I've sort of lost a bit of attachment to test cricket probably in the last five years for that reason. Like, I haven't... Bar last summer with India, I was actually intrigued with last summer because we struggled and it was... I wanted to see how we would get through that. But I think with this series, after what we saw today, I'm already on the defense about how much time I'm going to spend watching. But to answer your second point, there's a few memories that stick out. One's Ricky Ponting getting a wicket over in England. I remember Uh, watching that live and thinking, what the hell am I watching? But the one that stands out is the chase down in Adelaide. I think I remember getting home from school. I remember turning it on, thinking there's no way we're going to get this done, and watching that the run chase. And then obviously for Mike Hussey to, to score those winning runs on day five with the sunset coming over the hill. Awesome. And, you know, in a series that you win 5 0, but test number two to go down to the wire, I think that was a, a bit of a selling point of that series. And then obviously for. What was it Warren McGrath? Warren McGrath, someone Langer. else all retired. They all retired, okay. yeah. Like I think that was a bit of a, a changing of the guard moment, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, my favourite Ashes memory or moment, there's a few. Um, a lot of the stuff that stands out to me is probably watching Warren bowl because I was a leggy back in the day, right? And I, I still try to bowl my leggies. Can't land them now. But uh, I remember, like, Edgbaston, him bowling Strauss from out the footmarks where he's gone to leave and has come around the back of his legs and knocked out the leg stump. And, you know, I remember that whole Edgbaston test match. Like, that was back in 05. That 05 series, best series I've ever watched ever. Um, You know, any test series. We had a really good one against India back when uh, Nathan Lyon took, like, Eight at Adelaide or 7 at Adelaide we in 2013. There. Yeah, when we were there. That whole series was incredible too. But um the 05 series was incredible. The nostalgia, man. Like I've never seen SBS ever host a test series. I never host it again. But SBS had that series for whatever reason. So I remember 7:30 at night getting the remote out my TV, my dad's hands, and smacking it on SBS. And I remember watching Edge Baston, this is a funny story, in my sister's bedroom because. She had a TV and I did it, and she was four. It was so she could watch like cartoons when she couldn't sleep, when she was sick or whatever. And I'd be there with the TV, standing up all night watching Edge Bash them, like till <laughs> like two in the morning. I remember screaming at the TV, going, Casper Rich isn't out, his hand's off the bat. It doesn't count if he hits his glove. Well, it obviously did. Little old me didn't know um i remember those moments i remember obviously watching adelaide and i remember um adelaide dad trying to explain to me you know why this is so incredible you know it's come down the final day it's like you know they got to finish by six o'clock and how it could be a draw and how it could be a tie and i was like it was really cool and intriguing and then willing hussy on um to you know get home and they did it they did it easy in the end like they did it with like like 10 or 12 overs close, Something like that yeah. So like it, was, it wasn't like It got really close But in test match cricket When it gets down to 10, 12 overs It's uh, you know That's that, And light starts yeah, Disappearing that, that's, that's probably the bigger yeah, factor Yeah that's probably the bigger factor It's close It's like Edge Spass gets down to two runs Like it's close It's like Stokes winning it Down by, by a wicket You know Test match cricket Is not meant to get that close You hope it does I don't yeah. think we're gonna get a game oh you never know it's an Ashes series. Uh, um
1: Well, what which series? There was a, was it the India series where we, they won all after one. And I thought oh we're on yeah. here, and then we just it just didn't happen. Nah. Like it just turned to just yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I just want I just want a tight series and uh, I've i sort of umdenard like so obviously we we're planning on doing this podcast um yesterday yeah. which. I would have been a bit more optimistic, I think, after what we so was transpired day, today. You know, but I don't know it's early, and it's and for me, the actual thing that took me by surprise today was how green the deck was for day one at the Gabba. It was bloody as green as a soccer pitch. Oh, but it was, it they have good. said there's been lots of rain in Queensland, so it might be a pitch that it's you don't make runs on, and maybe tradition, and it could be something that Joe Root got wrong and sort of went, all right, traditionally the Gabba's a You know, a dry deck that's good for batting. Let's just go with my better judgment. If I saw that as a captain, I'm bowling on that all day. Humid, muggy, green, lively. I'm bowling on that all day long. I just...
0: Look, we'll talk about day one, right? And I... I could understand why he bats, because, you know, the great saying is nine times out of ten, you you win the toss, you bat, and on that tenth time, you think don't about... Don't put us into bat, yeah, don't like,
1: put Warner in day yeah, one. like, the yeah. tenth
0: time, is, the rule is you're meant to think about bowling, and then you bat anyway. Uh, I get that rule, but that rule was like back in the day of Alan Border right, where pitchers weren't yeah. like this, and, you know, pitchers were like this... And they but weren't drop-ins. You, yeah, they weren't drop-ins. It, it, it's... It was one that I think England got a bit wrong, just in general. Like Anderson, obviously, if he's not fit enough to start, I do
1: see that factor. You know, yeah, if Anderson, that was the other factor. If Anderson's not, not good enough to start. whatever,
0: right? And then if I don't know why, if Broad came over, he's fit. Why aren't you picking him, considering how much he has the board Ooh. against Warner, right? So
1: on the commentary, yeah. they actually said that Anderson's fit.
0: Yeah, so he had a so calf so there's a bit complaint. of contradictory he, information yeah, there. He had a calf complaint, pass fit, but I don't think he would be fit enough to then play Adelaide if he played this, and they're both to play in Adelaide with the ball swing because it's a day night test match. Yeah, that's and stupid. I just feel like it's that's so dumb. Look, the way yeah. I would have viewed it, if I was the coach or I was a selector, can you give me two test matches? If you break down after Adelaide, so be it. We'll run three test matches with with everyone else, right? Because you're gonna play yeah. in Melbourne where it's not gonna to do too much. You're gonna play in Sydney where it's gonna favour probably two spinners. Right, and the pitch aren't going to help yeah. you too much. And, and then wherever the, fifth, and is, wherever the fifth is, we'll talk about that later. Um, is it is we'll deal with it, right? I would have played. Can you him. get us on the front yeah. foot? I would have played. That's what I'd be I, looking I for. I would have played. I would have played him. Um, and then I think that leads into root picking to bat, right? Because he goes, oh, I don't have my first two front line seamers and swing bowlers. Yeah. But the reason why I would have bowled. Is because a the conditions probably suited, but if Australia get going, then you don't like it. But for me, you know, Harris is under pressure. Warner has not made runs against England historically of late. Yeah, he's had good summers in Australia, but if, especially if they started broad, I would have bowled. I would have been like, all right, Warner first ball. Day, uh, broad's on. Broad's volunteer How many times have you nicked off? And him? jam it in yeah. short to him. Yeah, leave. just like just you know, nick him off or ruffle him up and then nick him off. Doesn't matter. Uh, I yeah. I was rude. It sounds weird to say, because they were saying in commentary, it's the aggressive choice to bat. It's the aggressive choice to bat. I'm like, that's a very old school thinking. I understand it. I applaud it because I know what he's trying to do, trying to seem confident and everything. But, you know, you put yourself on a green top and get rolled for what 144. It's not great.
1: Well, you're four for twenty yeah. odd, you know. Like this <laughs> is not.
0: You don't a want to be resolved to our orientator, but it is the wrong choice. I think the most aggressive choice then would have been to come on. Oh, I don't even have my front two line seamers, but I don't care. We're going to bowl you out anyway, Australia. We're bowling, and I yeah. would have went like guy at short. Pressure's yeah, on. I would have went with a guy under the lid from ball one. So when that ball seems back in, you know, back pad to a to a, to a seamer, I would have went with four slips. I would have went really aggressive at Australia early and been like, right, it's green, it's overcast, it's doing a bit. We don't even have Anderson and, Bro- uh, and Broad, and we're gonna put you four down quick, you know. And imagine if England did yeah. what they did to us without Anderson and Broad. Imagine what sh- shivers it sends to Australia because if you look at England's lineup, it's not a good batting lineup, and the bowling line without Anderson and Broad is, nah, you know. I I, I yeah. wouldn't say it's. As bad as people making out to be. I think they're a better bowling attack than a batting lineup, but they're not going to make runs, too many runs this series. We'll rattle through the names. Um, and I just feel like without Anderson Broad, their bowling's whatever. But imagine if they just turned around Australia and said, We don't care. We, we know what's been written about. us, we've got to come out and bowl you. The next minute, you're four down for 20. Imagine if you're Australia going, yeah. well, Now we've got to face these guys four more test matches. What the hell are we going to do?
1: Yeah, that, I'd that's agree. That's the mentality. And- that's
0: the more aggressive modern day mentality, I feel, though.
1: And they just went safe. Yeah. They just went, all right, we'll put it in our hands and we'll, we'll see what we can get. But, yeah, it just wasn't good. And, and look, to be fair, out of those first four wickets, I was saying it, the, the batsmen couldn't do anything. They were they were good balls. The, the bowlers made them play. Yeah. There were some good catches. You know, the first one's probably, you know, the first ball of the series. Yeah. He's probably the one that's the most avoidable Yeah, is because he's walking across yeah, his stumps think, and he's left his leg stump exposed. I think the how Burns
0: opens up, though, with the new bull. He kind of likes to yeah, get outside the off stump so he knows he can leave it. And I will say, I don't think... It's either a plan by the Aussies that they've seen it and starts fired it in there, or secondly, starts got Definitely it just a bit plan. wrong and he should whip it through mid-wicket but the fact he gets so far across he gets himself all in a muddle and then the next minute your leg stump gone so see you later but
1: I really thought that ball was going down for a wide I'm not going to lie as soon as I saw that leave the hand I'm like oh what a shit ball and then as it's it's like straightened up like the seams hit upright yeah. and it's just straightened it looked like it was just going to angle just down laying, leg yeah you know two feet down leg side and it's, it's just gone swung back nope. in <laughs> nip <nipped, laughs>
0: just... back and see you later um, but yeah look yeah. I, I've I think the wicket that is most of all was probably Marlins. And that's probably a bit harsh because he plays off and he nicks off and it happens so much at the Gabba. But on my like, first day of a Gabba wicket and I open, I still open, if you know it's going to bounce, you know anything short of a length is going to bounce over the stumps. Like you, you couple down, just get your bat out of the way and let it pass through to the keeper. So I feel like yeah. that one there, if he knows where his off stump is and he knows the bounce of the Gabba. Just panicked. It's one of those ones, they're bowling where I want to feel bat on ball. And I've done that plenty of times. You know, I'm not going to say yeah. I'm a good cricketer. You know, I'm one of those guys that opens and I'm very compulsive when I open. I like the field bat on ball, you know? So, yeah, like, uh, I understand how he nicks off there, but I feel like out of all those first four wickets, they're the most avoidable. You know, Roots yeah. is the one that you can't do nothing about. That just shows how good of a batsman he is. The fact he nicks that is ridiculous. Yeah. So. Yeah, good catch too. Good catch. And like, Australia field is well. Every, everything went well for Australia. The only thing that didn't go well for Australia is Nathan Lyon didn't get his 410th wicket. That would have been the only icing on the cake. No.
1: We'll get it in yeah, second exactly. mix. That, nice to see Cam Green get one. I
0: thought so too. You know, I feel like you called on the podcast when we did our team selection that he's going to be really good. And I, I think this is his summer. I believe Cam Green. It's Cam Green's summer to shine. three overs. Cam Green's summer to shine bat and ball. And it's Travis Head's summer to cement himself in this test team for the next eight to ten oh years. Oh, God, he needs if to. If he doesn't go big if this series. If he doesn't, series, then
1: it's Mitch Marsh or Kawaja. There's guys there making runs. I think Kawaja's
0: like, time is not. I'm not going to say it's up right now, but it's coming close because he's old, right? but this is where
1: they will give him one crack lower down the order and if it doesn't work like Shane Watson yeah. he had that crack down at five or six remember, yeah, yeah, I remember that. and then they put him up and so then they put him up then they put him back down and then he came back in down again
0: yeah.
1: and, and he cemented a spot for a, for a little bit of time yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe give him a crack at five you know like maybe head goes or head goes out of the team and Kawaja comes in at five, and you just you know you just come in and play your shots and do what you want. You know what I mean? Like just take the pressure off of being that first drop. It wouldn't it definitely it definitely wouldn't surprise me if we do see that from uh, Uzi yeah, at some uh, point, or Mitch or Mitch Marsh comes in and yeah, you play the double the double all rounder, uh, which I wouldn't mind. I feel either.
0: like Mitch Marsh comes in for Sydney as a batting all rounder, and then you bowl a second yeah, spinner. If Head doesn't make yeah, runs, then you play a second spinner. And that, that could be an option. God, I just hope Head makes oh, well, runs. The, the, cricket I think it Australia wanted it. to happen. And Travis Head obviously wanted to happen. I think most of the Australian public wanted to happen because we want to we want to start building a team for the future. You want to have La- Labashane Smith and obviously Travis Head, Cameron Green and Carey which is five Five of your middle order Your whole That's middle order That's a great backbone There's a backbone that They all could play The next eight years Seven years Till Kerry With
1: Warner opening as well yeah, You're just him. You're just finding that second opener well, For me it's It's always I'm lacking. always going to
0: say It's Matt Renshaw But I never want to give him a go After what's happened So yeah but
1: <sighs> I just feel for Pukowski man Because he looked
0: good He obviously good. has a technical issue With your avoiding the short ball And I feel like At a test level You're going to get A found out yeah. You're going to get bounced out And you've got to keep getting hit the head. I'm not if I'm a selector, I'm not picking him and I'm not picking him for a very long time. Oh
1: no. Which is a shame because he's so good. Because the talents is he's there. so good. Yeah. His eye is
0: so good. But um look, I I think Australia, we can talk about it all day, but they're their quality side, great bowling attack, we've got a middle order that if it fires, see you later. Um it, my only issue is Marcus Harris opening and David Warner for the ball swings early, you know, nicks off. But I look at the English side and you look at the English side. Who makes runs for England, Paul? That's my question.
1: Um, you're probably looking at... Um, what's his name? Joe Root. Bloody Ben Stokes. Yeah,
0: Joe Root, Ben Stokes and...
1: <sighs> Joe Root struggles in Australia though. He's, he, it's his worst country that, he's, that he plays yeah, in. Yeah, it's true. So I, I, I don't back Joe Root to make big runs. I'm looking at Ben Stokes and other than that, I, I honestly don't know the other batsmen. Like I've not heard of them, I've not seen them. It's it's a new team for me. It is a very new team. Yeah, I, uh, from England. It is.
0: I like that they picked Ollie, who batted well today because he batted really well in South Africa on similar conditions and it bounces a lot. So I like that they picked him. He's one for the future. I think he's going to be a mainstay in that team. Um, I then think, like, look at Rory Burns. He got out today, right? But he's the sort of guy that if he gets going, is dangerous. Uh, a, I think they've done well there's, there's, yeah. They're in a similar spot to us They're still figuring out what
1: they're. they're I think we're further down the line yeah. end, I must say But they're figuring out Who's in that You know Five for them And when they do get it right Then it's going to gel But I think They're going to struggle I just somewhere. feel like really they're in a do.
0: transition period England, Where they need to find What's their best bowling attack Especially after Broad and Anderson's You know there, Going to go together Because yeah, they're probably going to retire At some stage In the near distant future Like Anderson's 40 You know so yeah I know it's crazy guy's stupid elite he's unbelievable I think Bowling think we were in primary school yeah man he's unbelievable you remember him in 05 with Hoggart and that oh god yeah. man like, what a bowler and what a story Ashley Giles yeah oh my god Harmison. I kid you not though, I have a book at home that is all the test records and statistics of Ashley Giles but don't ask me why <laughs> I have that with the sunnies on. Yeah, don't ask me why yeah, I have that because someone at Kensington Cricket Club gave that to me when they tried to sign me from Woodbridge. Cricket
1: 07, I used to use him all oh, the time. Yeah, what a
0: player, man. Oh, my. Ashley Giles. That's memories. Uh, and, then and then Monty, Monty. I was going to say with the, with, the, with the. He was my no, favourite. I funny. love Monty. He was funny. The story's coming out of Sydney grade cricket that England made him go play grade cricket in Sydney. And literally, the bullbee next yeah. to rolling his ankles said, so I'm not bending down to pick that up. It's grade cricket. I just laughed Yeah, I was like out. the guys Pay for England And he doesn't want to Play cricket in Sydney And just letting Wolves go So good oh, but, um, Anyway back to England I just feel like They're in a traditional Period and they don't Know where they are And I feel like That's where we were You know when Smith and Warner Are obviously suspended And you know we were In that period of like Who plays and who Doesn't do we Start bleeding the Kids and who not And then you had Ferguson and Sayers and all that Player test and then You know get Car to the side. And I feel like England are in a very similar spot with their test team, but they're so settled T20 in one day. Um, they know that they don't have probably the longer form players at the minute. So I feel like where they might struggle in this series come, you know, a few years down the track if they do figure out who these younger kids coming through are, do figure out the attack. Cause I actually think Wood and Wokes are pretty good bowlers. Um, yeah. I've seen them yeah, before. Yeah. I think Wokes is actually a very good bowler and someone that can actually bat really well. Um, England's got to get dangerous. it right, man. Yeah. They
1: can't afford to get it wrong. No, got, they're not going really to win this it wrong. series,
0: but it would be invaluable to play a few of the younger kids, I think, for them to get them used to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with you all there. Right. Well, um, in that
0: case then, Paul, make your prediction for this series. Off you go.
1: Four new Australia, and there would be a draw in there somewhere.
0: I'm going to predict England win one, and it's going to be 3-1... Or two one, but a very comfortable two one if there's ever a case. Right, like, there's no
1: way it's two one. The only
0: reason is rain for me because like Brisbane, we it's meant to be raining every single day, but we just don't know when it's going to rain. Um, because of that, like I can't remember what the what front it is over there, but Sydney could have some rain. They're predicting it's too far away to know. Um, and then for me, if it gets to if the fifth test goes to Hobart, it particularly normally rains there, so. I'm thinking there could be free test matches that could be affected by rain, so we could have free draws, and then obviously, obviously, you're playing what two tests, and that's it. Or you could be playing whatever, like free. you could be playing only free tests, like full. Um, but yeah, like I, I think three one more than two one, but I'm predicting that there's going to be some rain affected matches throughout the series, which is not fun.
1: I just don't see us losing, man. I just, just I see us
0: losing one, and the only one I see us losing, well, there's two that I see us losing, um, Adelaide. Because Jimmy Anderson and Broad could run for us. Uh, especially if they get... Imagine if they... Even if they do what they did today. They get bowled out for 140, but we have to bat on the lights. brand new pink ball. Like, Anderson yeah. would... Uh, honestly, us being eight down by the end of the, of the session. Like, Anderson could literally do that. Um, so, Adelaide worries me. Because I feel like England's attack is the only attack that they... The Adelaide's conditions are the only attack it suits. And considering they're resting Anderson and Broad for that, worries me. Um, but if they lose this test match So much pressure on that Could be good for Australia If it goes to Hobart yep. Hobart's usually Overcast Moist And green In terms of the pitch That's English conditions That 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 suits them So I can see them winning in Hobart Those are the only two test matches I think they can win yeah. They lose at the Gabba If it plays They lose in Melbourne Because it's a batting's paradise It's either going to be Australia win or a draw And they probably lose in Sydney Because they probably just don't have The spin attack to win that one with the bowlers, yeah. where if Australia go one spin, a knife and he can win the test match by himself, plus with our bowlers. Or if they go down the path, which I think they should, which is buy another all-rounder and then play a second spinner, or
1: Right?
0: Then uh, Australia win that test match, I think, comfortably in Sydney. So, yeah. I, Where's Moen Alley? Um,
1: What's going on with I'm him? I'm not
0: sure with Moen. I know they don't want to play him at in the, yeah. the longer form of the game, which I think is a bit... of his form. Yeah, but I think... He's
1: someone that has he has
0: experience here in Australia. Probably not good experience. Like, let's be honest, Nathan Lyon has his number. Um, but he's yeah. the sort of guy that I would go to here. I, I think he's better than Leach. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's way better than Leach. So. And he can bat yeah. if Nathan Lyon doesn't get him. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, just little thought there that I just didn't even think about today, to be honest. When I saw the yeah. team come out, I completely forgot he wasn't in the team.
0: Uh, last question for me, though, here, Paul, is after our prediction. Where will this fifth test be held and why?
1: Oh, it could be anywhere. Um, I'd like. I think I we said this off off camera, but I think it's going to be wherever there's less impact of COVID impacting the game. Yep. So, for me, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if it's between Adelaide or Hobart. From a bias perspective, I'd love it to be Adelaide, but I think it'll be Hobart just so they can have the variety. Yep. I don't think they really want to double up at the same venue twice in one series. I think, I think Hobart's a safe choice. I
0: think Hobart is a safe choice, but I reckon Cricket Australia, and it hates me to say this, is going to give it to Melbourne. I just do. just like look for, I really hope they
1: don't for the safety of everybody. I do too,
0: because it keeps all the players in the same location for a couple of weeks. And that obviously has impact that yeah. they could catch COVID and whatever, right? Instead of them travelling around and staying in the bubble. Um, my issue with it being in Melbourne is a couple of things. A, it's obviously the COVID Issue, but I guess they can also counteract that because they're not traveling anywhere. They can manage it better. Yeah, great. Um, my issue is that Hobart is apparently meant to be equally as part of Cricket Australia as everyone else, right? They haven't had a test in ages. They're meant to have that Afghanistan test. They didn't get that, and now a test has copped up because Perth have essentially thrown it in the bin, right? And you know, yeah, I know why Cricket Australia probably don't want to give it there because imagine if this series did go down a little white, and then you only had fifteen thousand people rock up to a day five Test match. For the Ashes.
1: That's what I think, though. If it's a sellout, it's a big bounce. Yeah, right? no,
0: I get that, too. But historically, the crowds are less. So I think Cricket Australia, in their mind, are like, well, we're going to put it to the highest bidder because whoever bids to the highest is probably going to get us the most amount of money for gate receipts. And if you're thinking of that, it's Sydney, Melbourne, or Adelaide, right? It's one of those, right? And I feel... Give us
1: a, day, a day's test, have a night and a day yeah, test. There yeah,
0: you go. I feel like what <laughs> Cricket Australia said that they want the day five test match to be a day-nighter if they could. And apparently Melbourne oh, even Melbourne want to do a day-night test if they get it. And I just feel like nah, Cricket stop. Australia would go down that route. Like it's the MCG, it's 80,000 people, everyone's going to come, daylight test match, we will get more money. I think that rules Sydney out, personally, because I just feel like Sydney yeah. get two test matches uh, back-to-back. Inf- I don't think it's... Nice. The only other one that could win it from Melbourne is Adelaide because they will say, "Well, day-night Test match historically held here. We have the most history in terms of the ground. It's everyone's favourite ground to play at, and everyone gets behind it here in Adelaide traditionally. So you're going to get 50,000 people." Right. And there's
1: time. There's time in between Test two and five. Yeah, as well. exactly. To change. change whatever yeah. the pitch
0: gets a rest in the square does. I, I want it to be in Hobart personally. I don't want Same. to see a double up. I want to see. I love a good Hobart oh, test. I reckon Hobart back in the day get the ball swinging. They want to make it day night in Hobart as well. They're going to upgrade all the lights if they get it and whatever, so they could do day night, which I think would be incredible, right? But
1: yeah. they play BBL games, yeah, here, so it must be yeah, set it's set for up. It
0: well, I just think they need to put the wattage a bit higher for a test match because it's a pink ball, but okay. um, which is like a flick of a switch. But I just feel like cricket Australia is just going to go yep, yeah, MCG, most money, thank you very much. Just give us a bid and off we go. Apparently, Marshall, who's our premier, came out and said, oh, we're going to bid as bigger than what Melbourne bid for this. And I'm like, yeah, great, not a problem. But if Hobart's meant to be equal and they are a state of Australia, then they deserve one. one. And considering Perth decided to throw theirs away, it should go to the next available state. And that's probably Hobart. And if it doesn't go there, give it to Canberra, for goodness sake. They're part of it. So, yeah.
1: Then you got 2,000 people
0: Yeah, I know I, the, the crowd shouldn't <laughs>
1: impact it But it will Because
0: imagine yeah, it, It's one all Day five Both teams can win on day five 14,000 people rock up Like how uninspiring Does that sound?
1: Yeah, it's not even that though Like if the, if the place is bouncing And it's loud And I there's chants And there's this and that I think it doesn't make A huge difference Like I think When you're out there In the middle You're focusing on What's happening in the okay. middle You're not thinking about You know What so and so's doing In the crowd That's just how I, I see it
0: yeah, I agree with that. I agree, definitely. Yeah. But look... All
1: right, I reckon the uh, time. I reckon on.
0: so. I reckon so. Where do you want to I start? I reckon... Let's just go to Dim's because it's probably a bit easier than the next question. This next question is going to generate a lot of debate from JS, I reckon. Um, So yeah. Dim's question is very simple. Predictions for the BBL. We've seen most games. There's currently a game playing now and then there's a game in WA. There's actually cricket, for those that are wondering, on the 8th of the 12th, 2021, there's cricket on TV till 12 30 in the morning you do not know how excited i am it is unreal that
1: sounds good it's great
0: i'm just gonna when i when this finishes i'm gonna go in the bed put foxtel on and leave it on it's gonna be great but yeah um i'm gonna start us off by saying if we're looking just based on squad i thought the renegade squad looked good even though they crumbled against the strikers but still won we suck The strikers squad is not bad if everyone's available but not everyone's available there's no carry there is no head. No, head. There's no We're yeah, done. We're, we're, our batting lineup's not going to be good enough. If we bowl unbelievably well and Farwood Army comes into yeah, but the squad, That's what we've relied yeah, on. Yeah. We've
1: relied on that for so long and then we get to a semi final and it falls apart and yeah, we can't the, make the, runs. The,
0: this, the one that we won, we batted out of our skin. Like, whether we made 100 in the final, did he not, by anyway. memory? Yeah. So, like, yeah, and I just feel like that if we had a good batting lineup, we would have won on the other night when we should have chased our 152, but we didn't. Yeah. And then you've got to look at probably, you know. uh, But you you never write off Perth. Yeah, I was going to say Perth They're just always there. What's it, Sydney Sixers? Squad's meant to be pretty decent. I
1: don't know what's Brisbane looking like. I haven't seen what they look like. Brisbane's always not too bad. bad,
0: At the minute, Hurricanes are 5 for 83, chasing 9 for 144 from the Sydney Sixers. But if you look at that Sydney Sixers side, right, you know, Felipe's in great form. Vince knows how to bat. Daniel Hughes knows how to hit. Enriquez tonight made seventy-three or forty-eight. You know Dan Christensen's a twenty-twenty specialist. Uh, you know Tom Curran knows is handy with the ball. So like I, I don't mind that Sydney Sixers side. I say this every time and then they yeah. just failed But you know I, I like it. So for me, it's uh, yeah Sydney Sixers got probably one like of the, the best. Squad the strikers could do it if everything clicked, but I don't think it will. Uh, Which makes me think that Perth or the Renegades will probably end up going with it.
1: Yeah, sounds pretty standard to me.
0: BBL is one of those things where it just depends who's having the best time of it at the minute. Like, who's got the best imports. Yeah, who gets everyone fit, healthy,
1: and in their team at the same time. That's 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 the bigger factor. Yep. Alrighty, and then the final question from JS. Who is the best player and manager of all time? So had to have been successful in both uh, sections yeah, so of Jay, their careers. Is so Jay uh,
0: example that Maradona, because he wasn't successful as a manager. So, you know, that, that's obviously a given, right? But, you know, we're looking at probably building a short list here and then picking off that. So, you know, obviously...
1: I think I've just got a standalone. Oh, I've got a standalone one too, I
0: think, straight off my bat as well. But there's probably one that gets close to him if... if you know, for me, it's,
1: I've got one that really just stands uh, out, like th- right above everyone. I think Cruyff's the one that is the one and
0: only.
1: <sighs> you're, you're gonna I go just Zidane. don't think he did it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But Zidane was just like other levels. I know Cruyff was other levels, but you're talking three Champions Leagues in a row as a manager. I don't care what team he had. Okay, you nah. can't dispute that. One, what, two as a player, a three as a manager. There's a debate, but I think when you come down, I, I think it's just a, a timing thing with Cruyff as well. Didn't win the major honour with Holland either. He had what, a
0: win. Did he win anything with Holland? No. Did he win a Euro? Uh, May- Nothing? May of. I'm more thinking about what he did at Barcelona.
1: Yeah, but you're talking Zadar, man. He's won Champions Leagues as a club level. Corif- he's won Leagues. He's won Corif- Euros. Football, he's won bro. World Cups. He's won as a manager. He's won, Euro- uh, he's won Champions Leagues. It's I get just- that.
0: Like, don't get me wrong. I get that. And yeah. I see that argument. For me, my argument with Kourouf is, is he changed football. He changed yeah. Barcelona. He literally changed everything gave at Barcelona. Him gave him an identity. Changed how football was meant to be played. Gave something on top of total football to build upon it, and Pep Guardiola is the manager of how good he is today because of the teachings of Cruyff. Kind of just shows you how yeah. good he was as a manager and as a player. Yeah. He was in, in you know, he probably the one of the best of his generation, right? So you probably put him. But what do we play football for? Yeah, exactly. You know, like to yeah. win.
1: Uh, I, I get I'm it. taking the guy that wins. Yeah, I'm taking the guy that wins. End of the day, and I'm taking the players of Dan because he drags teams over the line. And yes, like the the argument everyone throws at Zidane, and I'm not a Madrid fanboy. I'm actually a Barcelona, you know, if I had to lean one way in Spain. But how many managers have we seen not cope with big squads? Yeah. Big personalities. And it wasn't even a question. Zidane walked away from that job twice, you know what I mean? He never lost his job. That's the for me. That's the key. He never got sacked. They were happy with him, and he's gone. Yeah, I reckon it's time for a break. Yeah, (laughs) like who does that? Because he is that. He's that high. He's that high above everybody that he goes. I'm done with you guys. I need a break because clearly it would be tough. Yeah, it would have to be tough to manage those guys. So. Yeah, I think just his accomplishments and his trophy cabinet just speaks for itself. It's just unbelievable. I get
0: it. I, I'm more... Look, I, I can see the argument with Zidane, and I get the argument with Zidane, and don't get me wrong, I think Zidane is quality. and I actually think he's very underrated as a manager, because a lot of people just rubbish off what he did at Madrid, but I think that's incredibly hard to do. Because of the squad. Yeah, I think that's yeah. incredibly hard to do. I go Kroif because he built Ajax's youth system from scratch. He built and brought that club an identity. He then was headhunted by Barcelona. He went and built Barcelona, what they are today, a club and identity. I'm pretty sure that he won trophies throughout both his time at Ajax and his time at Barcelona as well. And like when you're looking at someone and his impact on football, this is one of the world's best well, ever Barcelona players. Barcelona weren't
1: much of a European powerhouse until... The guardiola playing yeah and i was
0: in that was part of that guardiola playing era right at the end
1: in the back in the back room though i reckon not as the manager Yeah,
0: i I just feel like this is a guy that for me changed the whole aspect of football how it's viewed how youth recruitment's viewed, you know how the game should be played how it should be coached methods of coaching if I'm looking solely about what impacted football more as a player and as a manager, it's Kreef. If I'm looking just purely on achievement, it's probably Zidane. So, it depends how you view, you well, view the it. Well, the question
1: is, who's the best player and manager of all well, time? So, I'm, I'm looking at I'm, that I'm, as I'm, I'm, results. See, so you,
0: you can look at that as i like, look at that. Who's the best player and manager? So, who was the best manager? The, you know, maybe you judge managers on what they do and what they achieve. But at the same time, a manager is also, you know... Left it. What legacy did it leave at the club? How did it build the club? Where's the club at after they finished? You know, there's a lot to just being a manager that just wins, right? You know, you know. look at how many clubs have struggled after managers that have been successful. Of late. Look at Chelsea turn through managers and now they seem to have got it right, you know? So I look at that and I look at Cruyff and I go, man, just look what he achieved. And look at some of the players that he's had impact on now become coaches. You know, Pep Guardiola especially, so... Look, I, I I would love to like research exactly what he won. I'm trying to look for his Wikipedia here as I'm talking, but there's that many yeah. awards that I can't differentiate from his uh his club, his coaching and whatever. Oh managerial statistics here we go. Does it tell you, here you go. does it tell you what he won? Yeah. He
1: I just think you get to a point where you win three in a champions leagues in a row yeah. and it's just and you're competing with a Barcelona... load like the the era that Cruyff was playing in wasn't as competitive ah, as the era that you go, you Zidane was competing here in. Go, go Paul. for it.
0: At Ajax, won the Champions Cup, winners' cup in 1986 and 87 back to back. Cruyff and then won La Liga yeah. in 1990, 91, 1991, 92, 1992, 93, 1993, 94. Won the Copa del Rey in 1989 and 90. Won the European Champions League in 1991 and 1992. Won the Cup Winners Cup in 88 and 89, and won the Super Cup in 1992. So it's, this is a guy that's won what's up. the Cup Winners Cup? Cup Winners is Cup in the Europa, Europa League, league now? Yeah. Alright.
1: Yeah.
0: So he won the he won the Europa League twice back to back with Bayern, and so then he won it again with. One three, three three. Three Europa yeah, Leagues and, and two, two Champions, Champions leagues. leagues. And a whole ton of La Ligas, which I think with Bars is probably not... What.
1: I don't think the league was as competitive, yeah. though, at that and time. Brought, that's the yeah, difference, too. That,
0: that's two, too. I think it was still the only two. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be registering off if it didn't achieve anything. No. Nah, I feel...
1: I wouldn't be saying that, too. Got, but I think in the era of football, though, and the money and... All the rest of it. And I think it changed. That is 551 and that's why. games he
0: managed in a league level. He has a 61% win record. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's, that's why. I'd love to know what Zidane's is I as I would well. love to know
0: what Zidane's is too. Look, I I think it's out of those two. A lot of people start talking about maybe the matches coming through, like Xavi now and Gerrard and Damn. Lampard and Vieira. Even 15 that. years. Like, I, they would have to go and achieve literally everything. And even then, I, with those players, and it pays been to say it with Steven Gerrard. Were those players as good as Zidane and Corriff? No. So I think it's out of those two. You you could have the debate.
1: You're talking about Euro. See, I think Zidane's playing career. Probably, I mean, that's a big statement to say, but (laughs) Zidane's got Cruyff for playing. (laughs) I know. You're talking about a World Cup Euro. You know, I think that level at international puts him above. Ballon (laughs) d'Ors, goals in finals, you know what I mean? Ballon
0: d'Ors.
1: I'm aware of that, but you're talking goals in fine, like goals in finals at international level that win games. Like it's just the pa- the package. Oh. Left, you know, Zidane's strength, power, pace. Cruyff, unbelievable technical player. Zidane could play in any era, and that's for but me. Cruyff that's could
0: play in any era. No, yes,
1: he couldn't put him in the Premier League, mate. He put him he in the Premier League right now. He would bullied. be
0: no dramas, I reckon. No dramas. I mean, it's
1: the same Messi no, debate. The same Messi debate. was do a it. bit
0: different Than Messi.
1: i to Yeah, but it's that technical. It's that I'm, dribbling. It's not uh, power. This is, this it's not that debate. sheer power. I'm, it's was really, it, Zidane is like Ronaldo, and Cruyff is no. like Messi. That's probably the best way to put Roy. it.
0: If you watch the holins of 1974 attributes. and 78 in every World Cup, they literally got the shit kicked out of them because the rules allowed it. They would they used to, they used to come in and used and just line up up and got yeah, the game is so
1: much slower, oh, man. It's one on one. It's I reckon Cruyff could have played an It's a different game. You can't compare 70s. I, yeah, I, to I think so. I agree 2000s. with that. But I think
0: Cruyff could have played an area. I think that's very disingenuous to Johan Cruyff, Paul. Right. I, 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 I I love a debate, and I think this is a great question, JS, and we could speak all day about whose career was better and who's the better manager. I will give you Zidane maybe the better manager of the two, but I'm not going to go here and say, hang on a second, Kroif could only play in his era and Zidane could play in any. I would say, come on. I, Mate, I think Z-Zidane Johan Cruyff, who built total football and was technically gifted as, as the a best manager. technically gifted footballer ever to play... For Holland, ever to play for Barcelona, could not play in any other era. In a farmer's
1: era. Oh, no. Farmer's way. era, 70s, mate. This is pre-Maradona. You know what I mean? Like, pre-Maradona. That's how I'm looking A completely different game. I'm not disputing the moments of brilliance.
0: Oh, mate, more than moments of brilliance. But Zidane
1: t- was the package. That,
0: that him Full package. Him and his team built total football in 74 as players because they could play it. And then he went as a coach and morphed it into his philosophy to then bring up young players to learn how to play total football in in through the 80s and the 90s at Ajax and Barcelona. I just think that that's an incredible achievement. I feel like he needs a little bit more respect here. I'm
1: not disputing that, but other than one red card in a final, what's the knock on Zidane?
0: Look, I, I think Zidane was fantastic, don't get me wrong. And, you know, he scored unbelievable what, what, goals. What can you and... knock
1: on him, though? Where's the whole one red card? You're going to say no, one I'm... moment. A, a moment is his only I don't, knock. know for, that. I don't knock him for that. He has everything. The definition think Kruif, of everything. I think
0: and him both and adapted,
1: and adapted in his career. And, and that's the difference. He was started as a 10, finished as a central midfielder. It had it all. Like literally anything you wanted him to mold into. And that's the key for me. He just did everything. Anything and everything you could get out of a player. And that, for me, utility and versatility speaks volumes to me. And it shows that he kept himself relevant for so much longer because it was almost like he was an eternal player until his legs stopped moving. He was just a physical beast that had every aspect of being a professional footballer. I'm not saying Cruyff technically wasn't as good but he didn't have the same amount of strings to his bow. I, that's the only thing I'll I say. I
0: know, man. Like, I, well, I've got nine. You're talking about
1: someone who could play from sixth through to nine yeah. and dominate and dominate every single one of those positions. That is unique. All, all, that is so all unique. What I want
0: to say is that, look, I get your point and I understand your point. Do I agree with your point? I agree with the point that's an Uncle every position and he's versatile like that. But then I go in and I'm like, I've got the DVDs of 1974, 1978 World Cups here. And like the way that Holland team was built and was played was literally, if you play left wing, you could be at centre-back and pick up the ball and play total football. We're not talking about go. the team. And mode. I'm like, that that signals how good Johan Cruyff was. He could play centre-back for 10 minutes and then pick the ball up and then off you go. Next minute is in the nine. Next minute he's in the seven. Next minute is in the eight. And I'm like, this is a guy that could have played anywhere. That had the technical ability to play anywhere. And the footballing mind to have played anywhere on the pitch. So I feel like... I feel like you're splitting hands and I am willing to give you Zidane. 100. percent I really feel I'm willing to give you Zidane. Oh I'm man, a big, the margins are so I'm fine. Big on Zidane, the ones are so fine. I just feel so like if you come out here and say Zidane was a better footballer, had a better career, and was a better manager, and I'm like, well, I think it's dead set close to the point where it's a oh, coin flip. Like, I just think that oh, this is it's this fine. Is, margins. You can't come out here and say Zidane had a much better career than Cruyff, and that's how I didn't say he had know, a much but better that's career. That's how I was wording. I was like, come on, Paul, you can't say that.
1: No, I didn't say he had a much better career. <laughs>
0: Just like, oh, I did not say that. Don't put be, words in my mouth. There's people that's going to be triggered by
1: like... Don't put I'm words like, in my oh, mouth. I'm at the point of two elite individuals unbelievable, in football. Unbelievable.
0: Both of them. Yeah. And I'm willing to but give you the I really there's am. There's recency bias.
1: There, well, there's recency bias too. And I think that does speak for... When we have these conversations, I think the way that football changed and not i got to be careful how i phrase it not pressure yeah, but it. it almost meant more because of the financial element in the game so yeah. because there was more money in the game there was bigger pressure there was more more to lose you know what i mean not more to win there was more to lose if you fucked up and i don't swear much yeah. on the podcast it meant a lot more for your career I if you made that. a mistake back you know what I mean? It was football was seen as football but you had another job or you know what I mean? Like there wasn't it didn't have the, that global well, it did have the global pool, but it didn't have that responsibility yeah, that footballers have now. You. And to be able to excel probably at the same level yeah. means more in the last twenty five years yeah. than it did prior. I, I and that's where that. I think if you can if you can rise to the top with the additional pressures and the lifestyle and all that, to me that means that a little bit more because there's a lot more. Pre- no, I don't want to say pressure because I don't like it, but it is pressure. I get what you're trying it, to say and how you're trying to word this. Not pressure on the pitch, yeah. but pressure in life, yeah. and that's where it sits with me as well. Like it does, it might be subconscious, but it does mean something. I, I agree with you. And I just listened to a thing about Aloisi um, recently about just his preparation. I know it's really off topic, but just even like he carried a disappointment from being a 14-year-old in a cup semi-final missing a penalty and he told himself for 15 years that if I get in that situation again I'm scoring the penalty you know yeah. and then lo and behold 15 years later he's scoring the penalty to put Australia through to World the cup. World Cup I get
0: that that's pressure and like I, I look I'm willing to give Zidane the title of best player manager player of all time because it's
1: not he even best man it's he, all for me it's 1A 1B yeah, like, yeah. Mark, oh, it's,
0: it's so close and that's why I wanted to stress that it point it depends how this you want to look so at it so close and how you want to look at it and I, I maybe because it's just how I view you know managerial and coaching is about the legacy and all holistically, that holistically and, and you you view it purely on the it holistically. Other, yeah I do and you look at just based on who he won who he did it and how he did it and I would love maybe that
1: comes back to who we support though as well like we we both go for Liverpool, yeah. which is a club built on tradition yeah. and history. And, you know, you look at Shankly and, you know, and and Paisley and, yeah. and those guys, you know, that did, they did everything. And we saw Alex Ferguson, who did everything. So we've grown up looking l- at idolizing that. people that do the whole picture and uh, embedded in the club culture. So I 100% see that element. But when you're looking at who's the best and you look at it as a blanket statement, yeah. I only really consider what they do in their time yeah, because end of the day, life goes on and things happen. Look, Man United is still a great club, yeah. even though Sir Alex Ferguson leaves and David Moyes takes yeah. over. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I get that too. I, so, I hear you, and like I would love to have known what Johan Cruyff would have done in today's day and age, right? And I think, oh Sid- god,
1: I'd love I, to know. I, I
0: think Zidane, yeah. the fact that he's done it in today's day and age, right? For me, is the best. But I cannot sit here and not voice on the pod. You so say he's the
1: best modern day manager. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred so percent. Like from... here and
0: not voice, the guy that I've idolized and Johan oh. Cruyff, that this guy was not in this conversation. He has to be, and he, for me, it's out of those two, no one else comes close. Look, the only other nah, person, no that one comes, else jumps. The out. Only other person that gets closer. This is Gary Neville, and the reason why we get this close to Gary Neville, he achieved what he wanted to achieve at Valencia, and like. Four months it was unreal. But look, yeah, there you go. I think it's really, really close, JS. I'm going to go with Paul and say Zidane, but you got to put the absolute most respect yeah. on the name of Johan Cruyff and what he achieved in football up there in that conversation. Like I I, I would almost go it's 1A, 1B, like Paul said. I, I couldn't nearly yeah. not split him. The only reason I could split him is I'm with Paul that what Zidane did even though he really did at one club was more modern, so you hold that in more weight. But I, I'm a big believer that if Cruyff was alive today and Cruyff could manage today, Cruyff would achieve what Pep Guardiola has achieved in his career. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, and I actually, see there's a, there's a guy Pep we finishes. Yeah, there's a guy we haven't talked about because Pep's probably on that pedestal, leading that way.
1: I mean, Pep wasn't. Uh, Pep was a good player, but he was part of a system, you know. Like he's, he's a system player. He didn't wasn't the main man. Didn't dominate. He wasn't the the top dog. He played as a six. Did what he had to do. Won a Champions League. Unreal managerial career, but I think like for him to be at the same level, he needs to win six as a manager. You know what I mean? to To make up for the only one that he won. You know what I mean? Like for me, he has to go so above and beyond as a manager because this question's phrased overall.
0: I agree with you.
1: Who's the best? He needs to like be the best, best manager of all time, undisputed best manager, and then we can give him some credit for the playing career. Not saying he wasn't a good player, but wasn't Ballon d'Or levels. Or didn't do it for Spain either. So there's there's a bit there there that's lacking. The group
0: did it to an extent for Holland. I don't think Holland won the World Cup in 74-17. They lost both finals, didn't they? Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One was against West Germany Because Franz Beckenbauer played the game of his life I reckon And the other one Yeah Other one was Argentina and Argentina Wasn't it? Before Maradona sure. I'm nearly tempted to say Pre-Maradona, that Pre-Maradona yeah. Pre-Maradona 1978 was World Cup was held in, in Argentina Argentina beat him I reckon uh, Yeah 1978 World Cup oh, I want to know now Because I'm a bit of a World Cup nut as well a World Cup nut uh, as well not, conquer, not qualification. I don't care. I want to know who won the thing. Nah, Here we I don't go. Know. I so, don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, anyway, I'll find I out. reckon they didn't, he didn't no, win. No, he run. didn't. Yeah, what Argentina did he, Argentina beat, beat the Netherlands in the final.
1: Yeah. yeah all right, right. Fair enough.
0: Alrighty. Well,
1: look, hopefully that was a bit of uh, fun for you guys listening. Let us know in the Discord where you're lying with who you think the greatest of all time with regards to player manager. Is there a, the a player-manager uh, we,
0: man- player player we missed? You know, yeah. Let us know in the Discord, guys. Maybe Kenny Dalglish. Actually, that's probably a fair you know? shout, but he's more of the player than he was uh, the manager. Yeah, well,
1: we're talking about yeah. yeah, both ends, yeah. so you never know.
0: But anyway, once again, thank you, Danny. Anytime, Paul. I love having those debates because the boys just seem to love them. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. So from another episode of pd sports podcast that's where we're going to leave this one if you've enjoyed it make sure you leave a nice rating and you get amongst the discord and we'll see you next week for another episode of the pd sports podcast